Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I'm an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host is my friend Jan. Hello. And today we're discussing chapter 23 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. In chapter 23, Lady Bertram wonders whether she can do without Fanny and allow her to go to the Grants for dinner. So Thomas says, of course you can. Mrs. Norris is bitchy about it, but Fanny gets to go. She gets to ride in the carriage, which again, Mrs. Norris is bitchy about. Edmund tells her she looks pretty. Mr. Crawford is there for dinner and tries to get Fanny to talk to him. She's not interested, tells him off about the acting. And then it's brought up again that Edmund is going to be in orders soon. And Miss Crawford concludes that she's only going to flirt with him when he's there and not actually think seriously of him anymore. Lady Bertram is so funny. Edmund says, you know, you can talk to my father about it and see what he says, whether Fanny can go to dinner. And she says, yes, um, he can say whether I can do without her. But the thing that struck me was Lady Bertram was absolutely on the nose. Because until now, Mrs Grant or Mary had shown absolutely no interest in Fanny. So the invitation from Lady Bertram's perspective was very much out of the blue. Why ask Fanny? They'd never shown any interest in her before. Yes, she couldn't do without her, but she was on the ball. It was an absolute surprise to her. Sir Thomas makes a really good point. The only surprise I can feel is that this should be the first time of its being paid. And he is very on Fanny's side around things, you know, when it comes to the carriage and in this particular as well. He's like, why are people not treating Fanny well? He just comes across to me as more and more of truly caring and being responsible for those in his care. I think it's still a little difficult for Fanny because she was a child when he left, but now she's a young woman. He's like, you should be treated as a young woman. Yes. You should be being invited to dinner. Absolutely. And it was never his purview to be involved with young girls in the schoolroom or anything. That was always left to Mrs. Norris and his wife. Not that she did anything. No, but, you know, in the rules of society, he would not have been expected to have had, you know, right at the beginning, he was always very careful not to over, you know, he was careful about making sure she was aware of her place, but not in an unkind way, not as in a Mrs. Norris's way. So he wouldn't want to show her any more affection than he showed his own children. Whereas Mrs. Norris... Oh, she's such a cow. You must not be fancying that the invitation is meant as any particular compliment to you. The compliment is intended to your uncle and aunt and me. People are never respected when they step out of their proper sphere. She's pointing out because she thinks Mrs. Grant is stepping out of her proper sphere because she has such a big dining room table. Going on to say, you have dinner enough on it for ten the reason that she's upset about the dining table... Because he wouldn't buy hers. He wouldn't buy hers, so she got stuck with this table that she didn't really want. But Fanny rates her own claims to comfort as low, even as Mrs Norris could. So she's really surprised when Sir Thomas offers her the carriage. But Sir Thomas very clearly does not want her to be neglected. No, and it isn't offers the carriage. He's actually asking, what time? When? Would she like the carriage? He makes absolutely no other assumption but that she would be going in the carriage. Mrs Norris tells her, you must be the lowest and the last. But when she's 
at dinner, she is quite aware that she is the principal lady in company. Yes, she is, because she's a visitor. But she's a baronet's niece. They are not noble. She may not have money, but she still has social standing. She does have social standing as being the baronet's niece. And truly in his care, not just a visitor. She's basically his adopted daughter, but they didn't do legal Any formalities. Any formalities. And the unwelcome surprise. All that discussion about only five at the dining table. Such an awkward number. Such How dare they? Mrs Norris would have been truly gratified to know that Mr Crawford arrived to make it six. With the exception of Fanny, the pleasure was general. They were so happy to have him home. She could not wish him to stay and would much rather not have him speak to her. Mm. But he does. Well, she's the only female to flirt with, isn't she? He refers to the acting as exquisite pleasure while Fanny sits in silent indignation. And eventually which is completely against her character, goes, I would not have delayed Sir Thomas's return for a day. My uncle disapproved at all the acting so entirely when he did arrive that, in my opinion, everything had gone quite far enough. She had never spoken so much at once to him in her life before, and never so angrily to anyone. But I think by that stage, she'd also got really, really... It wasn't just this lack of acceptance of the impropriety of the play. The way he brings up Mariah, the way he brings up Mr. Rushworth, one twig short of a decent broom, but it was mean. It's not something he should have brought up at the dining table in that company. You could imagine it with a couple of blokes having a drink afterwards, but he should not have been doing that with Fanny because she would never agree with some statement like that. And he says it in a lower tone to avoid being heard by Edmund. He knows what he's saying is wrong. He knows it very much. And he's and not at all aware of her feelings. But prior to this, he brings up the Rushworths with a significant smile, which made Fanny quite hate him. She knows how much he hates them. And he does not care. He thinks it's still a joke. I am very much mistaken if Mr. Rushworth's lovely Mariah will ever want him to make two and forty speeches to her. We might think that, but we should not be saying it, not in that company. Perhaps it's something he could say to his sister when they're alone, but that's not something you should say in public. You should not be saying it to Mariah's cousin. It's indelicate, to say the least. Was he saying it loud enough for Edmund to hear? Dr. Grant is giving Bertram instructions about the living he is to step into soon. He will not have less than 700 a year. And Mr. Crawford goes on thinking that Edmund's not actually going to work for that money and it's great for a younger son. He's still going to live at home. He's only going to do the high holidays. He's completely misunderstood who Edmund is. For Edmund, this is a vocation. It's not just a job. It will be important for him to live in his parish and to preach to his parishioners. And to do what other any other activities are to be done as, as the minister. Miss Crawford calls him out for saying that 700 is lots of money. Mm. Nothing amuses me more than the easy manner which everybody settles the abundance of those who have a great deal less than themselves. That is just so spot on. Don't we see it all now? Oh, well, if they only just, you know, if they didn't go out and buy cigarettes and things. They'd be fine. It reminds me of John and Fanny Dashwood and Sense and Sensibility. Oh, yeah. 
to think that his stepmother and sisters will be fine on £500 a year. We can't spare 3000 but they'll be fine on 500 Oh, and then when we go to London, Mrs. Ferris will give us £200 in cash. But they'll be fine on 500 for four women for yeah. a whole year to live on. And this is a theme throughout Austen, how oblivious some people are of the advantages that their wealth gives them. And it is a very common theme. And the very vulnerability of women in this time if they did not have a responsible man to look after them. If Fanny were not living with the Bertrams, she would be very looked down on. Fanny wants to sit in quiet because she doesn't like being in company. It's her nature to sit there and observe. She had the indulgence of being suffered to sit silent and unattended to. She wanted to only to listen in quiet. And Mr Crawford she, wouldn't let her. She remained in tranquility, the chief talkers attracting each other. She does not like Mr Crawford, but she likes that he's there so that he's someone else that other people can talk to so people won't look at her. I don't think she's above or below even talking with people because she can obviously have a fabulous conversation and interesting and intriguing conversations with Edmund when it's just the two of them. So it's not like she says nothing, but she's just very careful about when she's in company. And I think she's much more tranquil there once Mr Crawford is distracted. Now, there's probability if he hadn't been there that she may have been able to be more participative Maybe not, because maybe Dr Grant and Mrs Grant would have talked with each other and Edmund and Mary, so it's hard to know. Henry Crawford was very much an unwelcome, as far as she was concerned, but the rest of them thinks he's, he's great fun. And people like that are very dangerous. They're the charming ones that nobody realises the damage they do. Nobody saw what he was doing when he was at Mansfield last. Except for Fanny. Julia? Julia did. Once she realised he was still going after Mariah even though she was engaged, and in such a way that was most inappropriate. Julia's got a better head on her shoulders. She'll rule Mr Yates with an iron fist. I think it says something later in the book about because Julia wasn't as indulged as Mariah, she was better able to govern her feelings. Yes, because Mariah was very much spoilt by Mrs Norris, and benign neglect from her mother another moment of pain for fanny she has a lot of moments of pain to be fair when they get in the carriage edmund says now i must look at you and tell you how i like oh, you yes but then goes on to say has not miss crawford a gown something the same he is uh, just so oblivious but at this point he's still thinking of her as a sister it literally says that with a kind smile of an affectionate brother. She has done a lot of growing over this period in quite a quick amount of time to no longer be a child and then to no longer eventually be seen as a sister. There's very much that period of absence and sudden self-awareness from Edmund. The chapter concludes with Miss Crawford. She's really angry when she finds out that Edmund's ordination is just around the corner. She was very angry with him. She had thought her influence more. She had honestly started to think about marrying him. And then this is a slap in the face. Because despite all the discussions, he thinks she's lowered her sights from the first period. 
therefore he should be honoured and change his vocation because she's obviously showing her preference. So why isn't he reciprocating? I don't know what she imagines they're going to live on. She's got £20,000, so they'd have £1,000 a year, which is sufficient to live on, but probably not the way that she's used to living. I don't know how she thinks Edmund is going to provide more money for their life. He's not going to join the Navy, that's for sure, or the Army. No, he's too old for both, isn't he? Yes, and he has no interest in either. The only other thing he could do would be to become a doctor, but he'd still have to go to be trained for that now and again he's not shown any inclination i think she mentions the law earlier the law is possibly would have been another option for him but again he's left it a little bit late her being married to a lawyer would be a very big step down even if he is the son of a baronet there was another bit in this chapter that reminded me of sense and sensibility sir thomas is thinking that all young people like to be together which made me think of sir john littleton All young people want to be together and all you need to do to be friends is spend time together. Everybody assumes that Fanny and Mary are such great friends because they spend time together. But Fanny has made clear she does not love Mary. She capitulates to Mary's desire for company because of her own lack of worth and also a sense of responsibility in in terms of entertaining a young visitor in the area who's her company. Even though Fanny doesn't think much of herself though, or her claims, or necessarily enjoy very much hanging out with the Grants, she does actually want to go to this dinner. Mm. She runs away when her aunt and uncle are talking about it because she's worried she might not be able to appear properly submissive and indifferent. This is my role. I know this is how I have to behave, but I want this thing for myself. But it is exciting. It's her first party. It is her first party on her own. She's been to Southerton, but otherwise she's probably barely ever left Mansfield. This is a big event for her. And I think she could have very much enjoyed it as the fifth wheel, because that's how she likes to watch. Although, you know, she probably would have got a little bit upset if Edmund and Mary had flirted, until Mary realised he was still going to be ordained, of course, in which case she might have been quite (laughs) delighted. (laughs) And that is our summary of Chapter 23 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of... The Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa, New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice, heavily Pride-focused merch, too. It's on Redbubble, and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!